Hello, and welcome to Dance Talks. Today is May 2nd, 2020, and my guest is Joel Aguilera. He is an artist in residence for Dance Source Houston and a teacher at Klein Forest High School, where he is the director of Outbreak Crew. Joel, thank you for being a part of Dance Talks. Thanks for having me. Take us back to the beginning of your journey becoming a dancer. Yeah, so it really all started um, when I was a freshman in high school. I went to Westside High School, and they have a dance company there called Inertia, where it's a co dance company. Um, the girls usually are in a lot of genres, whether it be hip-hop or contemporary, lyrical. It goes on and on. Um, and the boys tend to be b-boys, breakers, whatever you might call them. So I first started getting into breakdancing, um, or another, other people might call it breaking, which is the original term. So I started that in high school. There was actually a class in b-boying. So I did that my freshman year and then sophomore through senior year. I joined Inertia. I started getting some performance experience. I then majored in dance um, at University of Houston. And now I'm here. Um, I danced in the Fly Dance Company for four or five years. Danced for the Rockets for a couple of seasons. Um, I'm a member of Rad Crew, so I battle as well in the b-boy and hip-hop culture scene. And now I'm choreographing. I'm a current artist in residence for Dance Source Houston. And now I'm teaching. So it's kind of made a full circle. I'm now teaching at a high school and teaching breaking, hip-hop, and a lot of other genres as well. Awesome. Well, let let us kind of sit on your shoulder and see what happened with each one of those steps. Like, when you got into inertia or when you started your high school classes, like, what was that like? What was the environment? I'm assuming you got credit for it, but, like, what did it look like? What was going on in there? Um, honestly, it was just so much fun. Um, me and, like, my best friends, they were all be with as well, so... It was our main focus. Even though we did well in school, we definitely made breaking a priority. So every lunch, we would eat our food within like the first five minutes. And then the remaining of the 45 minutes, we would literally go into the dance studio and just practice as hard as we could until we had to go to our next class period. After school was done, boom, right back into it. Whether the dance studio was open or not, we would practice in there. If not, we would practice in just like an open area of the school if we didn't have practice and even on the weekends we might have a studio that was open so it was literally just like practicing as much as we could um on thursday nights we might go to ya and just different opportunities how were you treated as a man in high school being a dancer um you know so it, it, i get different responses depending who i'm talking to um i think people from Westside high school like that same high school they knew what inertia was about so if anything, like a lot of people thought it was cool that, um, that there was guys during breaking and, you know, for, for those who didn't know much about it and you might say, oh yeah, I dance and you keep it open, you know, that you might get a weird look. Someone might be like, oh, what, like ballet, you do ballet, um, which is funny now because yeah, I do do ballet. So not only, <laughs> not only am I a b-boy and I've been breaking for almost a decade, but I'm trained in ballet and modern and contemporary. And I've done Lindy Hop or Salsa and different genres. So personally, I think the more open you are to genres, the better of a dancer you are, the more open you are to the market and things like that. So no matter what kind, what kind of looks I get, I, I don't really mind. <laughs> cool. What was prom like at Westside High School with all these dancers? Oh, it was like the, it was it was a party <laughs> every time. Um, whichever year it was, there was always different b-boys as, as seniors. So there was no matter what kind of dance, whether it's homecoming or prom or even just like randomly during lunch in the cafeteria, people would be dancing. So it was not uncommon for the people just to get down wherever it was. Um, that's just that's just how it was over at Western High School. Wow, it's like a musical. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm, I'm sure to some people they might they, it might look like that. It's like break yeah. it, break into dance. No one's singing the. <laughs> right. So, um, when you were in high school, uh, did you dance for the Rockets then, or was that after? No, that was after. Okay. I, um, so the next step was really going to University of Houston. Well, I went to HCC for a year and a half, uh -huh. um, just to get my core classes out of the way. It's more affordable that way. When I started at U of H, that's really kind of where the next step began. At first, I joined Fly Dance Company. And so HCC is Houston Community College? Yeah, Houston Community College. I went just, they have multiple branches around Houston. So I went to the Spring Branch 
got my core classes. I was there for a year and a half until I transferred to U of H. Um, and yeah, when I went, when I started there, that's when I started majoring in dance. I was in fly dance company. Um, just like the beginning where fly dance company is an all male contemporary dance company. We do breaking, but to classical music. Um, so it's a little bit different than what people see. You know, you put breaking on stage, it gives it a different look, more acceptable to all ages and different kind of audience. Um, and then shortly after that, I joined the Houston Rockets launch group. How did you get in the U of H? Into uh, the dance department? Yeah, well, they just, they have a audition process. Of course, they look at your grades and GPA, and they do have an audition. Um, for whatever reason, I think it was maybe some kind of hurricane, or there was, there was a reason that um, the audition I was supposed to go to, we couldn't go anymore, so I had to do a video. Um, which was very different for me because at that point I had I only had like one semester of ballet training and none of modern and they were requiring videos of both so I really had to reach but I even though I tried to do that I definitely added um, a video of breaking anyways just so they know that I do have experience as a dancer so thankfully I made it <laughs> and cool. um, yeah how did you give yourself like ballet and modern 101 to prepare for the video audition well i took um i took a semester of ballet at hc actually um so thankfully i i kind of knew some of the terminology and what they were looking for um and then for modern i actually just i was teaching at memorial dance center at the time and i asked one of my coworkers for some very basic modern movement and he showed me a couple for like maybe 30 minutes and i took all of that and i put it into a solo and then added some b-boy floor work in between and just trying to get it like creative, but also just kind of like show them I know a little bit or at least willing to, to learn more. So thankfully it worked. <laughs> Can you give us just like a quick like overview of the moves that you did for both of those, like ballet and modern? Yeah, well, for ballet, I just did a basic like bar warm up. So I did plies, tendus, run um, batmaw. And I probably, I, I think I just kept it kept it as simple as that. I did no, I did, I didn't go onto the floor. I did no petalegro, none of that. Um, for modern, it was, it was very simple. Um, X on the floor, you know, contract and release. Um, I had some, I had some undercurve, just kind of like a little, little, little flowy arm. I had a butt roll. It was very, very, very beginner. And, um, I guess like what people would do if they thought uh, they were doing modern and they knew nothing yeah. about it. That's what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. Oh, well, apparently. I mean, it, thankfully it helped me out. It was enough to, uh, to, to convince them. So cool. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that they, uh, they accepted me because there's a lot of good dances in that program. So I think me adding that, that B-boy element got them intrigued enough to put me into the program. Cause if I did it solely on the modern and ballet, I don't think I'd get in. Mm. What was the program like? Oh, it was great. Um, they provided a lot of opportunities, um, both as a performer, as a choreographer, as a teacher. We learned in, um, we had pedagogy courses, composition, and of course, technique. And I honestly think I grew in all three really well while I was in the program. I loved everything about it. It was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, honestly, I wish I could go back sometimes. I'm a teacher now, but I loved being a student. Aww. Yeah. Cool. How did they grade? Um, well, I guess it depends for each course. It was all a little different. I know for technique, they definitely watched how you were at the beginning of the semester and how you've grown. There are certain combinations that you have to um, execute correctly to get the proper grade. And of course, we learned a lot about dance history, had to watch dance performances and write about that. So there's definitely some other assignments. It's not just like movement solely, but it was a little bit of both. Cool. How did you come to be a part of Fly Dance Company? So I actually started, I was a roommate um, with a friend of mine and crew member, Kenny Lewis and Jeffrey Lewis. So we're all living together with uh, living together at the time. And they were both in Fly. I think George Casco, the director of Fly Dance Company, had just reached out to them. They were doing that for a couple months. Um and then when I like learned about it, I was like, all right, well, you know, like you get me in, like hook me up. Like that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> so, um, they were looking for some, some more dancers. I was like, 
after the original, I think it might have only been like eight of them. They brought me on. I, I was I was there just kind of like a fly on the wall, watching a couple rehearsals, and then I think honestly, like my second rehearsal, I'm just sitting there, and Kathy Wood, the artistic director, she was like, "All right, get up, like get in the formation." So she just put me in, like ready to work. So I was doing the choreo. Thankfully, I was doing well, and then it, that's really just how it started. Like I think she's kind of like a trial, seeing if I could do it. And since I was doing it, she was kind of kept putting me in, and then sooner or later. As an official member, performing with them, um, I think just months later we performed at Barnstorm back um, at the Bonnevelder, or the Barnstorm. What's the name of that um, theater? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. So that was back in it could have been 2015, 2016. So that was a while ago, and then ever just kept staying with it, went to every rehearsal, and then we started touring. Where'd you go? Um, I think our first tour was to, at least with me there, well, it was Telluride, Colorado. Um, later on, we went to New York for ATEP conference. We later on went to Albania and Montenegro and Iowa, St. Louis. It was a lot of different places, and um, I had a great opportunity with them. I really enjoyed it. Just being able to travel and dance, it's, it was a dream. Awesome. So APAP is the Association of Presenters and Producers, right? I believe so. Yeah. And it's a conference in New York where is it just for dance companies or any No, it's production? all entertainment, uh-huh. just whatever you could think of as a show, it was there. They had they had everything you could think of. Comedians and artists, um, singers, painters, I don't maybe uh puppeteer, magicians, just whatever you could think of, it was all there. It was, it, 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 it was pretty pretty intense when I went there, just kind of seeing all the different acts and um, just like all these agents walking around looking for, for who to book. <laughs> Is it in one hotel or multiple? Um, the When I went there, I believe it was just in one hotel, but it was basically uh-huh. like the whole hotel. Every level had stuff okay. going on, whether it was yeah. people showcasing or they had their booth set up. And yeah, it was just it was all over the place. And then you got to tour the city while you were there? Uh, I did for a little bit. We basically stayed in Manhattan. Um, I do think uh-huh. we like, drove to like the east side for a bit. But it, it, it was awesome We're just being in Times Square. That was my first and only time in New York. And it was very much what you would think it's, what, what, what you would think it's like. Very fast moving. <laughs> you know, a lot of, lot, just very busy. Yeah. Awesome. But it was, it was, it was a good time. Cool. So... What about Houston Rockets launch crew? How'd you get hooked up with them? Um, well, they had an audition, and I knew me and the other, my other friends, the other guys, Kenny, Jeffrey, um, Mo. Yeah, we're all we're all members of Rad Crew Rock All Day, and we've all just been dancing for years and years together. So, um, I think Kenny had did it for a year. So now we kind of knew what it, what it was about, how it went. We went to the audition. Um, I actually didn't make it my first year. And then the second year I auditioned, I did make it. I was on there for two seasons. You know, it was, it was just as much fun as, as fly, as, as long as you're performing, dancing, like getting to practice with your friends and colleagues and, and it's a job for you are getting paid for it. It's definitely worth it. So being there courtside on the Rockets games was definitely a plus. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of good opportunities there too. Can you tell us how they kind of run things, like what the audition was like and then how they, you know, rehearse and then are you performing just at halftime or like do y'all do promotionals for them or what? Yeah, um, there was all sorts of little like kind of different ways we might perform with Houston Rockets launch crew. I know the audition process itself, we went and we learned a combination through the choreographer, um, Natalie, and we learned that combination. We had to perform it, I think, once or twice. And then we had a freestyle section, which I think is like the main um, portion of the audition where they watch you freestyle. So you kind of throw out your best moves and they pick the ones that, you know, were most entertaining to watch. We would practice uh, weekly every Tuesday and we would sign up for our games, whether it's a full squad game. That means all of us have to be there or half squad. So it's more like um, 
like on on your schedule. So if you're available to do it, but there was a requirement for how many you have to do per month. I do think they run things a little different now. They, they I, I think they're requesting for you to be at more games. Um, now I'm not on it because I'm a teacher at a school. But when I was there, we would perform during timeouts, um, halftime, quarter time breaks. But we also did appearances at different events, whether it be um, like a festival or some kind of party or you know, different events. We would go and appear and do a performance as well. We also did like educational shows and things like that. Cool. Did they give you a lot of gear? Yes, they did. I'm Sweet. still rocking all my rockets gear every chance I get. <laughs> so I got to represent. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was another plus to the uh, to the job. And as so long as long it? as you make it throughout the season, you get to keep it all. And yeah, so I got I got it all. <laughs> cool. Oh, tell me more about like the performances. Like, what was the audience reaction? Oh, it was always fun. It was always great. It was. I mean, it's our job to you know get them hyped and get them excited. So we made sure that we're doing our best to do that. You know, like as long as we're getting them to clap along or cheer or just like have a smile on their face as long as they're watching. And we're, you know, we're trying to get them hyped for the game itself. So that's, you know, I mean, the, the Rockets game itself just has such a positive vibe to it. And, you know, people are happy to be there. So we're just trying to add to that experience. And we just want everybody who came into the game to have a good time. So we just try our best to do that, whether it be through dancing and performing for them or, throwing them t-shirts and prizes, you know, we just want to get the crowd engaged. So that they definitely got engaged. <laughs> cool. Did you ever do anything co-ed with the cheerleaders? Um, they, yeah, I think there's a couple performances. They do that. I don't think I had done any, whether I was busy or maybe it just wasn't the season that I did. Um, I did it, but they do every now and then have, have some like, intertwine and you know you might do some of the cheerleaders or the rockets power dancers or sonic boom and you know they, they find a way to put everybody together at some point cool i've heard other teams are doing that now they have co-ed just one group oh wow yeah i mean i'm sure there's a, a lot of other teams have different kind of versions of entertainment some people they might have only b-boys some teams they might not have any they might just have um, like a girls dance team and cheerleaders and there's a lot of other ways. So I, specifically Rockets, I know they had a little bit of everything, which I think is what made the entertainment there so well. Um, but yeah. Did you guys get audience participation? Like pull people in from the audience? Um, no, I don't think we ever did that. I know um, they, I, I, at least us individually, we might not do that, but I knew the Rockets, they would do stuff like that. They might have someone go up to the right. stands and, um, you know, play a game with someone on the microphone or something like that. Were you on TV? Um, I was on TV a couple times. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea how many times I was on TV, but every now and then, like, my brother might send me a clip or someone might tag me. They might cool. put it on Instagram and be like, hey, this is you. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, I, I, from what I remember, there was a time I think James Harden was getting interviewed, and I was right behind him, um, uh -huh. just like kind of hyping everybody up. So that one kind of traveled around for a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. So, um, how did you get started teaching? So when I started teaching, that was actually I'd have to rewind that one pretty far back. I actually started before Rockets, before Fly, before the job I have now. Um, when I was in high school, I started off with um, Sunrise Dance Studios. So I went over there and I I just taught like a couple privates to some of the kids there. Just every now and then it was very um, sparse, rare that I taught a class. But that was my first experience teaching. Um, then once I started college, I was like, all right, you know, like I don't want to be a waiter. I don't want to be working at a grocery store. I'm like. Dance is what I dance is what I'm gonna end up doing. So like I need to figure out how to work as a dancer. So I can't get performances all the time, like just like indefinitely. So I was like, all right, well I'm gonna start teaching. So I made you know my resume with all the performance experience I had. Thankfully, even at as a freshman in college, I had a lot of performance experience thanks to inertia. So it got me in the door to start teaching at studios, 
I think the first studio I started teaching at was Memorial Dance Center. And I was teaching, I was teaching hip hop and breaking there. And then from that point on, I was just teaching at studios all over across Houston. Um, I currently teach at Data Academy of Dance. I was teaching at Katie for a while over at Lake Dance Center. And yeah, I started teaching throughout there as much as possible. Now that I have a, um, diploma from the University of Houston and certified in teaching, um, through Texas, Texas teachers actually. I'm not teaching at Time Force High School, so thankfully I got that job right out of graduation. Um, before I even graduated, I was lining up schools and emailing everybody I could to make sure I got a, got a job because I, I didn't want to take a break. You know, I was like, I want to go into it right away. So that worked out, and I'm over at Time Force, and I'm really loving it. Awesome. Who's the director there? Stacy Russell. And what's yeah. your partnership with her like? Oh, great. Yeah, we get along. Um, we have a great team. It's me, her, and um, her assistant director, Courtney. So we all get along really well. Um, we help each other out. So they've been teaching me a lot as a first year. They've been there um, more than I have. So it's easy to go for them uh, to them for guidance and advice and questions because they, they know it all. And I'm surprised how much they know from just how long they've been there. So it's, it's, it's great to have somebody like that when you're a first year teacher. Um, you need somebody experienced and they've been doing that. How does it compare to inertia? Um, well, it's a little different. So Stacy and Courtney, they run the drill team, um, which I had nothing to do with back when I was in high school. Um, now I'm taking over operate crew. Um, you know, inertia, they've been around for so long. I think operate crew has only been here for five five years, um, going on their sixth year. And they're they're a little bit more hip-hop choreo-based, so it's a little more modern and urban choreography opposed to inertia, which was a little more uh, true to the fundamentals of breaking and old-school hip-hop, whether it be locking or popping. Um, so I'm trying to bring that back towards Outbreak and trying to bring that old-school flavor to it um, and just, like, foundation, breaking, more fundamentals, along with, like, still letting them do that urban movement, which they are really interested in. So I'm giving them a little taste of, of both and trying to help them become more of a overall hip-hop dancer. Do you give them opportunities to choreograph? Oh, yeah, definitely. So um, for our winter show, they had one piece where they choreographed on their own. And then they were actually making their their spring show piece as well on their own. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't do a spring show this year with everything that's going on with COVID. And um, hopefully I could get them even more opportunities next year. Um, they, did have, they actually had an opportunity to perform at Westside High School, which is a very interesting experience for me seeing both Inertia and now my students perform there um, in the same show. So, yeah, I, I, I try to get them as many opportunities as I can because, you know, that's how I grew was like being able to perform outside of my high school. So I want that same experience for them too. That's great. What are you doing for spring show E? We're, we're talking about it right now. We're thinking about doing like some kind of virtual spring show, whether it be like um, – we're actually letting them choreograph it. So they're, they're currently deciding on which song they're going to choreograph to. And then we'll then like um, assign certain eight counts to each student and then let them film that along with like trying to figure out transitions between each dancer. So we kind of have a setup where like dancer number one tells dancer number two how they end. Therefore, dancer number two will then start that way and just kind of cool. make it that way. So we'll see how it goes. They have the opportunity to to do solos as well. Um, and then we're going to try to do a senior slideshow for the seniors who are graduating and give them a proper send-off. Nice. Had you choreographed like that before where you did a kind of like pass the choreo? Um, not necessarily. I mean, they, since they were physically at school, they made, they made their own transitions and, um, you know, set different ensembles. So this is just kind of like our way of like making it feel more connected, even though we're so far away. Are you thinking you're going to do a live stream of that and make a video? I think we're just going to stick with recording. Yeah. Um, they're going to send it in and then me and Miss um, Russell will then like edit it together. Cool. That'll be really fun. I can't yeah. wait to see it. Yeah, me too. I mean, it'll, it'll take a week or two, but hopefully they'll, we'll get it done soon and then, 
we just want to make sure we get this stuff out before graduation comes up. Um, you know, give our seniors like some sort of experience because I know they're missing out on a lot right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's good you're here for them. Oh, yeah, most definitely. We try to do as much as we can. We have weekly like Zoom meetings to catch up and just kind of like hang out for a bit. So, yeah. Cool. For some of them, they're like, this is the only time I talk to anybody. This is good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we definitely like try to stick to that and make sure that we're there every Tuesday. Nice. Uh, for our listeners who haven't seen you dance before, can you just describe your personal style? Yeah, I mean, um, since I am like trained in different genres of dance, um, I guess like there's a little style in each one. Um, if I'm specifically talking breaking, I definitely focus on a lot on footwork, which is what some people would say is like the core essence of breaking. Um, in breaking, you might start off with top rock. But it was when you went down to the floor and actually started breaking um, on the floor that people would consider that breaking. So I take a lot of footwork steps and I try to make it as intricate as possible. I incorporate a lot of slides, um, a lot of like body grabbing, whether it's like moving my my leg over or um, grabbing my foot and throwing it or whatever it may be. So, um, you know, I'd say slidey, but also very technical. Um now, if I was talking more about contemporary movement, um, I try to incorporate my breaking side along with modern technique and trying to create its own contemporary form. Um, I, so I do a lot of breaking floor work along with specifically Jose Limon technique, um, a lot of fall and recover. So I definitely have a lot of floor work, but I, I try to emphasize as much as I can on level changes and flow. So... It's, I would say it's both dynamic and also flowy at the same time. When you freestyle, um, how much are you improving? Um, I would say now that I've been able to improv for so much, especially in, in breaking, you, you focus a lot on musicality. So you trying to dance to the music influences how you move. And you can't dance to the music if you have a set order of movements unless you have that willingness to like open up and change it up and switch it up to, to better fit the music. So me doing that for so long. Um, now when I, when I do improper freestyle, it's definitely in the moment. Um, when I have the opportunity, I might fall into a combo that I already have or a step that I have or some kind of trick or power move. So I have that, that freedom, but also experience to be able to freestyle in the moment, fall into something that I know and then go back out of it into something that I haven't done before. Cool. What about, okay, so I know you've done Lindy Hop, so it's like I'm thinking how much, when you're doing breaking, um, you know, you do you know the music? Like you've heard, I mean, it's all recorded, so don't you know it? Or is it all like DJed and you don't really know what's coming? Or you maybe don't know half of the songs that are being played that night? Or like, mm -hmm. you know, how much yeah. are you able to just kind of, and then it's, I feel like even when it's recorded, even if you haven't heard it, it's done digitally somehow. Mm -hmm. Like the beat is, you know, on a metronome. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Lindy Hop, like there could be a breath in the music or the band could swing it hard and then swing mm -hmm. it soft or something. And you don't really know. How does, how does the rhythm um, move you? Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's, it's so, it's so different in whatever circumstance you might be in. Um, if I was specific, specifically talking about like a b-boy event where this battle is going on, um, and you're, you're there standing and you don't know what song is about to play, like you don't know what song the DJ is going to pull up and he might play a song that you do know and you, you know where it goes and you know where that random, um, snare comes in or sound effect. So that's, that you, you're, you're kind of hoping that it's a song that you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even then, like you don't really, you, you never know. So you can't, you can't really, assign so many moves to do. I make some b-boys, they go in there and they're like, I'm doing this move and then this move and then this move and then this move. And they don't care about the music. And that might work for them, but it might not. Me personally, I might have a couple combos that I, I, I want to put in there. I don't know when and I don't know what order I'm going to put them in because I need to hear the song first. So even if I am not familiar with the song, there is a fam familiar um, rhythm pattern um, with breaking beats. So it might go like a like a one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three. 
So you got to be familiar with like at least that rhythm, so you know that there's going to be something that you can hit. Um, now, in terms of like something at Glindy Hop, I mean, I only have so much experience in there, and thankfully, um, but hopefully one day I can be able to like improv to that. But I haven't got that far experienced in it before. Um, anything that I've done with that, it's been choreographed uh, through Dance Houston. So I definitely got to experience, like practice that multiple times before I had to perform it. If I had to go out there on stage and improv, um, <laughs> who knows? Who knows how that would go? I'll try. I'll try my best. Uh-huh. But if they started throwing out some, you know, switching it up, getting getting real jazzy with the music, then, you know, I'll try my best. I think as a cool. dancer have- and like having experience, you you start to kind of like, understand music better so you might know when they want to switch it up and you're like ready for that change have you ever really felt like you had a musician or a dj uh dance like i mean play their music based off of your movement like they they gave you a drum roll oh uh, yeah definitely i there's been a lot of instances where i might be dancing and there's a drummer even when i was back on fly george casco he is also a drummer so we might do school shows and he'd be drumming but he he kind of knew us as dancers so he'd kind of like let us dance for for a couple seconds and he kind of sees like what kind of personality and attitude and dynamic um flow we're bringing to the movement and then he'll adapt to it which is always a great experience because usually the dancer has to adapt to the music so having the music adapt to the dancer is like a really pleasant experience and i I wish it was more of that, but um, it's great when you do get that. It takes live music. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, I I have done a dance film, though, where um, my sister, she actually majors in clarinet, or she, mas- she has a master's in clarinet. And I did a dance film where I was doing movement, and I had her, um, I, I recorded her playing to the movement that I was doing. So that was an interesting experience as well. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, I'd love to see that. I'll send it, oh yeah, I'll, I'll send it. I'll, I'll, I haven't posted it anywhere, not not yet. I want to do a better version. It was so quick because it was like okay. an assignment for school, but it's definitely yeah. a film that I want to go back to and spend more time on before I before I publicly post it. Yeah. Okay. Where can we see you? Um. Yeah. Well, you can find me on my Instagram, Aguilera underscore Joel. Um. I also have a website, Aguilera Joel Eight. Dot website. Dot com slash my site. Um. So I'm currently. Trying to get a little more um, more publicity, like working on my website and finding more places where you can find me. You can also find me on my YouTube channel, Joel Aguilera, or my Vimeo, Joel Aguilera. Um, so where I post a lot of dance content, whether it's pieces that I've choreographed or a class that I've had, and it's a combination at the end. So um, definitely trying to post some more on there. Yeah. Great. Can you give us an insight into the history that's informed you? Like you mentioned Jose Limon and old school hip hop. Mm-hmm. Like where do you come from? Um, so I I definitely try to tie all that together. I think where I would go back to is my upbringing. Um, I'm Colombian. So I do bring a lot of like Latin roots to my choreography. Um, like I said earlier, I'm a resident right now for Dance Source. So I'm actually work I've been working on choreography where I'm tying that all together where I pull from my Latin upbringing, as long as as well as the modern technique I've learned from U of H, and my experience in the b-boy culture, so I I, I also try to find connections um, in where that all was. So the reason I picked originally the reason that I picked Jose Limon was for its fall and recovery um, like technique that it has, but I think I'm I think I also feel that connection of being Latino. Um, and then, of course, breaking started in New York. Um, it is an African American dance, but it was heavily heavily influenced by Puerto Ricans um, in New York. And then Latin jazz, the the music that I used for my choreography, um, also started in New York, and started with um, it was a, a combination of both jazz music along with Latin composers, whether it be Machito or um, <clears throat> Mario Bauza. So there's a lot of other like Latin composers that were like really influenced jazz in its own way and took its own route. So I try to find that connection between all of it really. Cool. Uh, when you say your Latin heritage, um, like did you grow up dancing just with your family? 
Oh yeah, of course. I I grew up mainly doing like salsa and things like that at family events. Originally, when I was like younger, I was like, no, I don't want to dance, and my sisters would pull me and make me. But now I'm like very open to doing that. But I think the main influence, at least like growing up, was the music that I would listen to. My dad, um, he would play nonstop, blasting Latin jazz or salsa music wherever I was, whether we're at home, even if, even if I'm trying to sleep, there's Latin jazz playing. Like it was <laughs> happening all the time. Anytime we got in the car, Latin jazz blasting. Like wow. there, there's no reason to ask if we could play something on the radio. It's just like we knew <laughs> that when we go in there, we're gonna listen to Latin jazz or salsa music. <laughs> Family events, Latin jazz or salsa music. You know, like yeah. lunch or dinner, breakfast, Latin jazz or salsa music. He's a painter, wow. so he would he would be home constantly. And I guess that's what like helped him ins- like inspire him and just kind of keep him in the zone while he was painting. So if we went outside, we might play. But when I come back in, I know what I'm about to hear. <laughs> so um, <laughs> as a kid, like it was just kind of there. But as I started like growing and like maturing, like I realized how much I love the music. So now I'm trying to like tie that music in with choreography that I'm making. Um, I also think that's a genre that doesn't have a lot of dance. Not a lot of people will dance to Latin jazz specifically, because um, it is jazz and it's hard to choreograph to you. But I like that challenge, and I like the connection it brings to my background and my life, and all the connections that it has with the dance that I'm making right now. Awesome. How old were you when you first wanted to dance, and your sisters weren't dragging you? Um, I would say like 14, like when I was starting high school. Okay. Yeah, it like even though it started in high school when I started actually dancing, um, my interest started like that summer before high school. My sister, um, she was a part of a salsa dancing group, and there was a guy in there, and he knew how to break dance. So I remember thinking, I was like, "Whoa!" Like, like you should ask him to teach me, like you know. And um, he told me about YA and YA youth advocates. Um, they have a lot of things for the community and they have a Thursday community night where B-boys will go and they get to practice with a live DJ and free food and just a, a space, a free space for people to dance and be accepted and stay out of trouble um, and just have friends. So I remember going there and seeing a guy who taught at my middle school. And I was like, don't you, don't you work in my middle school? He's like, yeah, I teach dance. And he told me about like West Side and what they have to offer. So it like fell right into place and just like those small connections. I was surprised that there was like that bridge there. Um, so that's why I even enrolled in breaking when I went to West Side because I don't think without that, I would have known that that was a class. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Were you zoned there? Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah. Okay. I like lived literally a street next to West Side. So I would just hop the fence from my apartment complex and then <laughs> I'd cross the one street and I'd be at Westside. So Sweet. it was, yeah, it was great. It really worked out for, for me while I was in high school. I would like try to like walk over home when I had lunch, if I had the chance. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I, I would even, I would even go dirt to lunch uh, over at my apartment complex gym and work out with, with Jeffrey Lewis. Um, when we had the chance, we were just like, we're just trying to be, you know, like, uh, there's always a saying where it's like, you don't use dance as a workout. You have to work out to dance. So just mm-hmm. trying, like, to be the best dancer we could be. Uh, if we weren't practicing, then we'd be like, all right, let's go work out next door. So, yeah, we try to we try to make it work no matter what. Oh, that sounds so fun. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, I, you, yeah, I didn't have, to wake, up too, about... I have to wake up early to get to school. Right. I woke up literally, like, 15 minutes before school started. <laughs> Cool. Um, you were talking about youth advocates, um, which I've been to, and it's incredible. Uh, but for our listeners, um, can you tell us about the environment? Oh, it's amazing. Um, so, like I said, youth advocates they they have that Thursday night. Um, I know they also do things with like soccer, and um, they have like other ways to help the community. But I know as far as like the b boy aspect of it, they 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 would open up. Um, a space normally at a church. Um, I'm not, I can't remember the exact name of the church that they're at right now. But every Thursday for a couple hours, they would open up the space. They'd have a live DJ playing music and there are tons and tons of dances in there. B-boys, 
crumpers, poppers, lockers, um, just like all style dancers. And of course they have free food. So they're there to feed everybody. They have things, they have water and refreshments and it's just, you know, and then they would host battles. So for any spectator to come through, like every person I've ever brought to YA, it was just a brand new experience for them and they loved it. They're like, whoa, I've never seen anything like this before. Cause it's just a room and people, people don't know how heavily, um, like impactful, like the hip hop community is, especially in Houston. Yeah. Even dancers from different cities and states will come here. They're like, man, I wish my city had something like this. I wish they had a night where all the dancers would show up every week. So when you actually get to see that and you see how many people there are, you're like, wow, I had no idea that this existed, especially to this like volume. So mm-hmm. a lot of people like, they really like it. So if anybody is interested in, in that, definitely check it out. You go on the Facebook page, Youth Advocates. Um, I think it's also like under Houston Revision. So check it out. Go there on a Thursday night. You won't regret it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it's like 100, 200 people, right? Yeah, usually. And it's all ages and it's free. All ages are welcome. Yeah, bring your kids there. They'll love it. And it's, I, of course, yeah, it's free. Every, every, and they have it every Thursday. I think the yeah. only, I think the only Thursday they don't have it on is like the week of Christmas. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So for another city who might want to replicate this concept, like, I think it's structured as a 501c3 nonprofit and mm-hmm. they host it at the church. Yeah. I'm not sure how they're funded. I mean, there's food, there's a DJ, there's air conditioning. There's no admission fees. So, you know, it's definitely like someone's doing it out of the goodness of their heart. Oh, for sure. Um, Charles, um, Mm -hmm. Charles Brooksamel, he's, Mm -hmm. he's like, he started Youth Advocates. Um, I, I don't know how long, but definitely a couple decades ago. And he's Uh been, he's been running that since. So shout out to Charles. Yeah. He's been doing a great job with that. As far as the details for Youth Advocates, I have no idea. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of work goes into it though. Yeah. So how do you think you, you as a dancer and an artist is a reflection of our culture? Mm, that's a bad how, question right how, there. Yeah, like your identity. You know, like what are, why are you who you are? Um, I would say obviously like where I come from and what I've been, been impacted with. Um, and thankfully that I think that has so many connections with where I live. So even though like specifically like what I'm pulling from is my, my Latin family and breaking and modern technique. Um, I try to like use that, you know, and turn that into something that's new and like a new harmonious style of dance. And in that way, I'm also reflecting all those cultures that I'm pulling from. And therefore, like expressing that to that same city that I got it from. So now as a dancer here in Houston, I would say that I, I might be that, ref- I might be something to now pull from for other dancers or other people who are watching and they might be able to pull that same thing that I pulled from, whether it be, you know, like Latin jazz or breakdancing or modern. So I, I, I think me trying to like basically be that same source that I was able to pull from is is how I go about that. Cool. I know when I watch you, I I feel connected to you and I feel like you're expressing a part of me that I could never express. I don't have the technique that you have, but I feel a little Latin because I grew up in Houston and I speak a little Spanish and I have Latino friends. And I feel a little hip hop because you know, I, I grew up in the 90s and 80s. And um, and then I feel a little modern, you know, because, again, it's just like very, it's very contemporary, diverse, and cosmopolitan. And that's that that culture that I feel like you're bringing together just in, you know, in one body and in one mind that's expressing yourself through choreography. It's really awesome. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. And that's honestly one of the main reasons that I'm doing what I'm doing um, with the residency that I have right now, um, the beginning of the residency, like that first half was mainly, uh, research based. And that's just me trying to like find connections and real, and I realized that there's so many connections between 
you know, feeling a little Latino or feeling hip hop or feeling modern. And I realized that I, I, I feel all three and they're all so closely related. I had no idea. So I think that's that's part of the message that I'm trying to get across is that we're all so connected, much closer than we think. You know, every culture, every race, every gender, whatever you might like want to label yourself as like it's all just really connected um and it's really it's really really close <laughs> i found yeah. insane connections between light and jazz and breaking and how how heavily influenced that was from bronx new york specifically um where breaking started and where roomba started and roomba has a big uh, impact on light and jazz so just like seeing that co- that connection was was just astonishing for me because it, it it makes my connection of the two feel even closer. So go deeper into that rumba thing. Like, what do you mean? What's the factoid there or the video or the person that you feel like was the crossover or the, the link? Yeah. Um, I wish I had like certain dates memorized, but I know that basically like in New York, um, especially for the hip hop scene, it started like people literally dancing in the street. And that was hip hop. And that was how breaking started. Um, rewind years before that, I want to say uh, in the 1950s, that, was, that same thing was happening with Roomba. And people were playing Roomba from the ju- jukebox in the barbershop. And they would turn it up and people would stand right, right outside the barbershop and it'd be dancing Roomba. <laughs> and Roomba has a heavy influence on Latin jazz um, with uh-huh. that same um, rhythm. So just like seeing that where that that same location, that same setting had such like a trademark and like foundation part to each element. You know, it's it's very interesting that um, uh, famous Latin jazz artist, Tito Puente, he would he actually went there and he was he was just playing his drums and dancing. And he's just a he's an icon and a pioneer for Latin jazz music. So him being there and then knowing that B-Boys were there, too just like years later, um, it just has a very rich, rich origin there. Is there a specific rhythm to Roomba that makes it Roomba um, or orchestration? Well, I know for La- Roomba, I'm not sure. Um, Latin jazz, they have a thing called the uh, cleve, which is a rhythm. So it's like a pa, 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 pa. And it's just like, it's, it, it's got its own rhythm and syncopation, just like how breaking my hat. So, um, yeah, the clever, and then the, I don't know what the what the rhythm might be called for breaking, but um, you know, it, it, it's each each thing has its own rhythm and its own percuss like percussion, and it pulls off from the same. So, yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> cool. How did you get your residency with Dance Source Houston? Um, well, so I did do a couple shows for Dance Source. Um, I, I participated in Barnstorm Dance Fest and mind the gap and i think that's kind of how i started getting noticed um as a choreographer this is back when i was still enrolled in school um as a student so i started doing as much as possible i went to like almost like a lot of their info sessions where i just kind of learned what they were looking for uh as an artist in residence and i would i really i would think about it all the time i'm like how can like what can i bring um, and it also do a lot with like me as an artist, like what am I trying to create as an artist? What has not been seen before, which is a hard thing to do because almost everything has been seen. But, you know, I want to create something original and how can I do that? And how can I explain that? So, um, I did have to go through an application process through Dance Force. You create an application and online, um, they interview you and, after all the steps, I was finally one of the three. There's, there's two others. Um, there's two other residents. But, yeah, like, getting that news, I was like, this is an amazing opportunity. Um, I'm actually going through that right now. I spent a lot of months choreographing a 20-minute work, um, 21 minutes to be exact. And it was four new sections that I had not created before, seven dances or eight dances, including myself. Um, and now I'm in the process of figuring out how to turn that choreography into a dance film for for the, the end of the residency. So there's a lot of other things going into the works right now to figure out how that that's going to end up. 
Um, a lot of moving pieces. But I'm excited to see how it goes. The residency has been an amazing opportunity for me as an artist, and I grew a lot out of it. And I plan to, I'm very happy to see like where this takes me and how I use what I've learned here for my art for the future. Great. And what kind of support have they provided you? Um, well, they helped me with studio space, which has been so helpful. Um, I, I've been rehearsing at Hunter Dance Center before um, things had to take a take a halt. Um, they also guided me through a lot of meetings and workshops that they provide, um, a lot of advice. I do go to them if I'm writing a grant or applying for anything. So I get um, John Trunks and Molly, Molly Haven. Um, I get their advice a lot. And I'm able to call them. They're able to help me out. And it's just someone to look towards if I if I need guidance and advice. So they definitely taught me a lot. Um, kind of gave me a better idea of how a show works, what what's needed, what's not needed. Um, and just, yeah, we would meet uh, at, least, at monthly to just kind of go over where we are in the process and what we might need to do and, you know, just different steps. So they helped me a lot, yeah. <laughs> Great. And who who were your teachers? Um, for the residency, or just in general? Growing up, in general, college, high school. Oh yeah, I mean, I had so many, so many teachers to look up to. Um, if I shouted all of them out, it would take at least like an hour. Um, but just like going off the top of just like different people, of course, it's Sharon Roberts, um, director of Understand Company for twenty something years. Um. Jesse Germ, Joel Rivera, um, honestly, everybody in my crew, whether it be Jeffrey, Kenny Lewis, Canaris, Mo, um, at University of Houston, of course, Karen Stokes, Teresa Chapman, John Bassant, Becky Balls. Um, now I have John Strong's, Molly Haven Miller, and my girlfriend, Lizzie Woodson. Like, all of these people inspire me and motivate me. So I've been able to, like, pull from so many people and learn from so much from so many people. So I've, I've been very blessed. Um, my family, of course. So like, I'm very blessed to like have so many different role models and different people to like talk to and learn from. So that's why I try my best to be that person for others. I think that's what really got me into teaching is that I had so many role models and so many people to look up to that it only feels right to be that person for someone else. Um, there's a saying, especially in the breaking scene, which is each one teach one. So I had a teacher and now I'm going to read that teacher for somebody else. Awesome. Each one, teach one. Yeah, each one, teach one. Cool. <laughs> cool. Um, do, how often do you find yourself blasting Latin jazz? All the time now. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, ever since I first started kind of, like, experience, experimenting with that in choreography, um, which started, I'd say, two years ago when I was still a student at U of H, and I had to, like, choreograph a piece. I cannot get enough of it. Like, I'm literally, I'm turning into my dad right now where I'm in the car <laughs> blasting Latin jazz and my girlfriend's just kind of like sitting there and I think she'll grow into it. She'll, she'll probably be the next one who starts blasting that on her own. But right uh -huh. now it's me. I'm just like blasting Latin jazz, looking for new music, um, blasting it here at home when I'm like, just like whether I'm dancing or maybe I'm, maybe I'm painting or drawing something. So, um, it, it, it it's definitely just, it's just got such a rich, quality about it and I just like love listening to it it's very it, it, it gets me motivated and I love like trying to figure out how I can make a piece to that or or even just like listening to the music and it, it's it's a very shared um liking in my family especially with my sister who has her master's in clarinet and she loves music as well so it's an easy uh easy conversation to have with my family so it's great it brings us all together yeah cool I feel like we've been on a continuum going online since the beginning of our lives. Mm -hmm. And today is the second day of the stay-at-home order being lifted in the state mm -hmm. of Texas. So, you know, we can go out in the real world. We as a well, we can't go to a dance studio. Those aren't open yet. Yeah. Maybe they'll be a part of the May 18th lift. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, seven weeks and two days ago we were we were kind of thrust forward like we've never been before where if you were gonna share what you do it's gonna be online mm -hmm. 
unless it's for your roommate. And yeah. So how has it affected you as a as a teacher and an artist? Um. Yeah. Big impact. Me as a teacher for public education, we're all trying to figure out how to move things online. Um. It's it's pretty crazy what the education system is having to do. We're we're moving everything, every course, every content, every subject online and we're trying to communicate with all of our parents who like there i mean there's just so many students and trying to make sure that these students still get a quality education from home um and then also being a teacher at a studio and we're not moving our dance classes online and starting on our recital pieces online which has never been done before i think what's happening right now is what what might seem very um, scary to some or annoying to others. Um, we might, I, I think we might actually be progressing, um, in a way. I think online classes and online, just like as a platform, is only going to be more popular. And I think it's going to continue even after everything goes back to what we might consider normal, um, of, you know, being, going to the grocery store without a mask on and maybe not thinking about hand sanitizing your hands every five seconds. Um, <laughs> but I still think that like what's happening right now online will continue to happen. Um, and it will definitely be more like intertwined in our daily lives as if it wasn't enough already. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I also sure. think a, a lot of, a lot of good is coming out of it. Like what? Well, um, I think a lot of people are actually enjoying online classes. So some people, they might not feel so comfortable dancing in a studio with so many people there and now there's this new opportunity for for people who might be too shy to take a dance class in public and that's fine but now you have that opportunity to dance at home on your own with a teacher and you still get that similar experience others they might they might want to just go back to normal class with people there that's what they want um but now there's that that opportunity for others to not have to do that and even um different like events happening online, whether people are now streaming dance con dance concerts or music concerts or finding a way to use an online as a platform for their art. Um, I, I honestly think it's a great thing, especially in the arts community that people are, are getting so creative with how they're, they're not public, like posting art and posting videos. And, um, you know, even, even if you went down all to the, the challenges that there are, there are on Instagram or TikTok. You know, a lot of people are still getting very engaged in the arts, so it's it's a blessing in disguise. Um, yeah, it's it's it's. I think it's gonna be very interesting how how much of a twist and change this is put on our society. It was a big surprise at the stay-at-home order. How mm -hmm. do you think dance benefited you and your students? Um, I think it might help my students with being a little more independent. Um, you know, now they we're not there in person to like push them. They have to take that, that initiative to make sure that they're still taking, you know, getting a good class out of what we're putting online. You know, they, they're there at home. I can't, I can't like really like try to encourage them to move hard and really start sweating and, you know, push themselves. So I think as, as students and as, as kids, they're, you know, they're getting a little more motivated, um, especially through these times where, for some online course, uh, online classes aren't ideal. So now they, you know, they got to do it on their own. So I, th I think it helps them a lot. And it's not, and this isn't going to be forever. So, you know, of course we'll go back to classes, um, eventually, but you know, as long as you get something out of this, that's, that's all we need. Yeah. What are your hopes and dreams? Um, ideally I want to, grow as an artist and as choreographer I definitely want to get my choreography um, more out to the world um, you know other places besides Houston I'd like to grow and teach what I know and um, I want to continue my career as a teacher eventually as a professor at a university and really be able to just to like teach what I know um, and what I've been able to learn even just like the decade that I've been dancing I, I know I have a lot more to learn but whatever I am learning, I want to pass that on to other people. So I want to continue as a teacher, but also as a choreographer. So these are 
in my main two aspirations. Yeah. Why is it so important to you to pass on dance to others? Because I had so many people willing willing to do it for me. It was just, you know, it's it, it brings everybody together, and it's like just like a really I have a true love for dance, and I know a lot of people do too. So if you know, I I think this. There's no need to compete. I think everybody can grow together. Um, there's enough for ever, for everybody. So, yeah. My guest today is Joelle Aguilera. Joelle, thank you for being part of Dance Talks.